Engaging Conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the 630 Chad Afternoon News. Uh, it, we woke up to winter this morning, didn't we? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of accidents out there this afternoon, so slow down. Take it easy. Got to tell you, tweeted out just seconds ago that we're 10 minutes away. Well, I guess I tweeted it out 10 minutes ago. We're 10 minutes away from the 630 Chet Afternoon News. You won't believe who I got as a co-host. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for doing this. Jalen Nye. You're welcome. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be in the air bombing people or something? No, no, no. I think right about now there were supposed to be paratroopers jumping out over Resolute, but there was a little blizzard All right. in, in Resolute. Uh, the wind's too strong, too much snow blowing around, too yeah. dangerous for um, the Herc and uh, the paratroopers. So try again tomorrow. All right. Well, that's understandable. You don't want to do a winter exercise in snow. Well, not in a blizzard, not when uh, it's like, yeah, 40K. No, no, it's a little, yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I'll throw you out of a plane at 40K. Uh, you know, I'm up for it. What's it pay? It, mm. <laughs> <laughs> not, probably not you as good as You might want to stick a, with yeah, this one. All right, fine. Do have a very special guest to kick off the show. As you all know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, every afternoon on the fours. And by the way, I thought for years that was on the force. I thought we had a force of choppers up there. On the force, we throw to the iNews 880, Eye in the Sky, and get the latest on traffic from Adrian South. But who the heck is Adrian South? Where did she come from? Where does she hope to go? How did she end up on that chopper? Oh, boy, lots of questions for you. Hi, Adrian. Hello, thank you for having me in the studio today. It's well, nice to be on solid ground. <laughs> no kidding. It's a unique pleasure to have you in studio because, of course, we hear your voice every day. We have seconds to chat with you, and and really we try to use those to the max. But but really then you're just off telling us about traffic stuff. How did, how did you end up there? Where, where did you come from? Well, I'm from Kitchener, Ontario, mm. and went to school for broadcasting there. And, uh, Wait a minute, they have a school in Kitchener? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they have a university, don't they? What uni- University well, of Kitchener? Uh, there's Waterloo. There's University of Waterloo, there's Laurier. Right. And But I went to Conestoga College for, oh. for journalism. Why do, why do you do that every time? Oh, college. I went to college as well for broadcasting. I didn't. You didn't at all? No. No. So we should be doing... Yeah, no, that's fine. You can judge me all you want. <laughs> We'll just talk without him. <laughs> so were you born and raised in Kitchener? Yeah, yeah, I was. And I went to Conestoga College for journalism, and I was working at a radio station there doing news, traffic, weather, sports, and really liked it. But I ended up getting into the sports side of things and hosting some hockey broadcasts out there and, and whatnot. And then very randomly, a couple years ago, I met a guy in the military. I um, <laughs> had spent some time in Belleville hosting the Bulls games and going yeah. to Loyalist College. <laughs> Met a military guy at uh, Little Texas. I don't know if you're familiar with that place, but uh, met him on a course there. He's from Edmonton. So I had came come out here for that. Hmm. Didn't work out. Moved out here for about six months. And I went home, back to Kitchener, was tweeting about what happened, how mm-hmm. I didn't want to remember Alberta as a sad place. And uh, someone in government found my tweet and said, <laughs> come back to Alberta. We have a job for you. Oh! So... Wait a minute. That's not typically how you get a job with government, is it? Well, no. Heartbroken. Come on out to Alberta. <laughs> so I spent two years at the legislature and uh, lost my job in May. And media has always been what I wanted to do. So it was kind of a blessing to uh, try and get back into it and 
Hmm, ended up in the chopper. I'm trying to think of this uh, chronologically. Lost your job in May. What would have ah. happened in May? Hmm. Did you lose your job on May 6th? I I may have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so can you can you say who you were working for before at the ledge? Uh, I was in caucus communications. Okay. Doing all the videos. Oh, very good. And then I uh, was in culture and tourism doing grants. Hmm. You were in culture and tourism doing grants? Yeah. Like approving grants? Um, working, I was the MLA grant liaison, so I worked with all the MLAs on all of the funding. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, listen, hey. Uh, Note to self. Yeah, I just want to take back those uh, derogatory comments and sighs I made about college. <laughs> obviously a great school you've come from. <clears throat> yeah, eat those words. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Did you enjoy uh, the, the political side of it? I mean, you know, if you get in there, you start your career maybe wanting to be doing television or radio doing sports and next thing you know you're on the political side of it kind of really from the other side mm -hmm. did you enjoy it did you get did it give you a different uh, perspective it did definitely um i still got to go to press conferences and and film announcements and whatnot but it was different being on the other side mm -hmm. of things and i think i always tried to make it as if i was still media <laughs> uh, so it's kind of been it's been a, a blessing to to have had that not work out because it made me beat down some doors and uh, I work for Canadian Traffic Network, right? Yeah. Which is how I'm involved with you guys. But, you know, I had to be creative with what I was going to do if I wanted to stay in Alberta, and there was an opportunity there. Oh, and good for you. Here I am. So how did you get up in the chopper? Were they advertising for people? I mean, how did you even find out about that job? I had known someone who had worked for it, them in the past, and he had sent me a couple postings saying, oh, they're looking for someone. And I had inter when I first moved here, that was what I wanted to do, was do broadcasting. Mm -hmm. I met with them when they were out of the city center airport, but I didn't have a car at the time, and I lived on the <laughs> south end. Oh, yeah. So, She's going to do craft traffic doesn't have a car. Yeah. <laughs> I do now. I do now. But they were, um, they were possibly going to offer me something, and they're like, well, we would want you to do the 5 a.m. shift, but how are you going to get from, you know, Mill Woods to the city center airport yeah. at 5 a.m.? So it didn't work out. And then I kind of always kept my eye on it, and and here you are again. Yeah. So give us an idea, in case you're wondering, you just tuned in, who we're talking to? It's Adrian South, who's our, our traffic reporter that you hear every afternoon right here on 6:30, 6:30 uh, Chet. We chat with her on a regular basis. <laughs> she gets you home safe and sound, and you know gives you the bad news about the white mud and the yellowhead on a regular basis. <laughs> but so, was it difficult? I've been up in, in the chopper and looking down and trying to orient yourself and know where things are. Yeah, that's are what I want to know too because I don't know how you do that. Like, did that take you long to do? Or yeah. are you just guessing? <laughs> um, well, I've always joked that even though my last name is a direction that I'm the most directionally challenged person. So it may have taken me a little longer than other people people um the tip that they gave me uh we have i go up a lot and stefan sutcliffe is in the mm -hmm. back i'm sure you know stefan but yeah. um so he, when he's doing global he's got the camera he can zoom in on things but landmarks it's all about landmarks and being able to recognize where something is and then know the areas around it so that's hmm. been really helpful so the tower the big towers downtown where maybe tell us world of sciences where the ski hill is that sort of stuff and then base from there the bay you know is it really yeah yeah yeah, and then sometimes I'll I'll go home and I'll play on my phone at on Google Maps and just try and familiarize myself more with it. But so in the job interview, though, did they test you <laughs> on your knowledge of streets? Because I would I would completely You'd think fail. That, that would be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, did they sit you down and say, "Here's a picture. What 
What intersection is that? Well, I, I don't know if they would have hired me if they knew. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, no, it wasn't really. Huh. I, I think as long as you're willing to learn it and make an effort and really push through it and be willing to, to hmm. know it and study maps a bit. Um, I'm not from Edmonton, though. As I said, I'm from Ontario. I've been here three years. So for me, it might be a bit more of a challenge than someone who maybe grew up here. Um, it's a lot of streets that change No, I've been here forever, and, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, it's and we've we've had this conversation on the show. There's a lot of people in Edmonton and around here that think that the, the grid system, the way that it works in Edmonton, is really, really easy. <laughs> but if you mix up one street and one mm -hmm. avenue... You're hooped. <laughs> like you're 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 on the other side of town saying how to, well no this so, is right, yeah exactly right? so, northeast northwest yeah. kind of thing. So what was that first day like then? You're up there. You must have been really nervous, like anybody would be doing something for the first time. But you've got this massive task below you. What were those first hits like? I had a lot of support from yeah. from my teammates. <laughs> I mean, the pilots are great. They yeah. know the city really well. And then um, whoever is in the back, which is usually Stefan when I'm up there, everyone's really helpful. We all talk to each other on headsets. Uh, so it was never really like I was alone up there mm -hmm. or anything. Um, and, you know, we have, we are messaging with someone on the ground as well who's kind of <laughs> watching Twitter and, and getting updates. <laughs> from, Adrian, from it's Jasper <laughs> Avenue, not yeah. White <laughs> Avenue, right? Like, so, yeah. so, now when we hear you up there and Andrew and I, you know, we chuckle because sometimes it sounds like seriously that you're uh, talking like this, right? Sometimes. Well, most Oftentimes, of the time it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like that. And we thought maybe we'd do the whole interview like that today. But <laughs> it is. What's it to be up there? I mean, the chopper isn't very big. It's fairly compact. And I'm guessing that you can get uh, tossed around in there fairly quickly winds and roughness and, and that sort of thing uh, the pilots really know what they're doing but I was <laughs> I was nervous at I was very nervous at first I hate airplanes like give me a glass of wine or two before I fly in an airplane J just um. to review <laughs> So you're not from here, and you don't like flying. I am directionally <laughs> challenged. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Perfect candidate. It was, um, <laughs> it's, it, it can be when it's windy, but we're, we're really good about safety and not going up when the weather's bad. So, you know, if you're ever uncomfortable, you don't have to go up or, or whatnot. So it's, it's good up there. I mean, it is pretty small. There's the three of us in there. Do you feel like you're going to get sick? There was one day that, I, <laughs> that it was a bit windy, and sometimes, you know, when you're in a hover and you dip down to get out of it, which these are all these things I'm learning that are normal, but, you know, all of a sudden you're facing almost down on top of downtown, and you're like, what's going on? Are we going to crash? Yeah. But it's just... Do, do you have days where you just get everything wrong? No. You, that's... We have those days. Everybody has those days, right? I mean, there's you left early the other day. I hit every wrong button over there. I was, and you just get into this funk of not getting it right. Do you have days where you just think that was the worst day? No. Wow. <laughs> I can't relate to that. I'm always perfect. Okay, well, I'm taking back that ah, whole thing about go. pushing the wrong buttons then. I just try to make you feel more comfortable. Um, this question again, and we, and we mentioned it, but just to mention again, how does she know what she's seeing down there? To me, that's the hardest thing. But again, it's it's based on knowing the, the landmarks around where you are. Yeah. Right? And I did a couple flights where I just kind of shadowed beforehand. And I won't lie, I brought a GPS up with me and I oh, stuck it on the window. Idea. So I, we flew around for a day like that. And then we would go over landmarks and I'd be like, okay, well, that that's that one. So on the map, th these are the streets that's around it. Um, but yeah, it it, start, it looks different now that it's starting to be 
brighter longer. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot different at night, so those landmarks are, are different depending on the time of day that you go. So the question we often get uh, every day with regard to traffic is people keep wanting to dispatch you to a certain intersection. People will say, can you send the chopper to this place? I'm assuming the pilots fly, uh, file a flight pattern. I'm assuming you're in some kind of pattern. Uh, to an extent to get into the city but once we're up we are in communication with someone on the ground who is watching Twitter and who is you know talking to other people and from that if we see something that there's a possible collision at a certain intersection we'll make our way to that intersection and confirm if it's there or not and see if it's cleared up so we do travel where we know that there are Hmm. incidents how long does it take you Let's say if you're at that stinky uh, uh, 111th Street in the Henday, where the merge there always backs up every day, so deep south, how long would it take you to get um, maybe across, across town, up to the base? Oh, gosh. I'm, in the chopper. Any idea? I'm pretty bad at math and directions. and I mean, I live my life <laughs> in like four minutes between hits. So um, I would say sometimes I'll look down and maybe like... 10 minutes will be on the other side of the city at the most. Okay, so now uh, along those same lines, you're looking down at, say, the White Mud or Yellowhead. You know there's always going to be traffic issues on that. How do you differentiate between just heavy flow of traffic or a stall or an accident? I mean, how can you tell from the air? Or is that, again, something you're doing in partnership with somebody on the ground? Uh, Well, because we we are, I'm in the front, and then Stefan, who's doing Global and Kissin, and um, he's in the back. So he has the camera controls. So we'll go up above an intersection, and he can actually zoom that camera yeah. in mm. and we'll confirm exactly what it is. But for the most part, you can see a lot of flashing lights. So especially at night, you can see the police lights flashing if it, there's a collision in a certain area. If we see flashing lights, we'll kind of go to where the lights mm. are and check it out. Um, but stalls, you'll usually just see four ways on and you can kind of see exactly where things stop moving in certain areas. It would be really interesting from that perspective, honestly, because as a motorist, you come up on something and wonder how far, you know, how far does this go? Yeah. But you see the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's it, pretty cool. And it's got to be uh, too. You know, there's times on the white mud. I think we were driving home the other day when the show ended early. All of a sudden, traffic just stopped on the white mud, but there was nothing there to stop it. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm guessing it's just the merging and the you know merging and people not merging properly or you know that sort of thing. Is that do you see that often? Yeah, sometimes there's a couple spots where merges are. There's a bit more volume around the merges, but. Hmm. It's just part of commuting in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly Anthony right. Anthony Henday and 111th Street. So we mentioned off the top, and I mentioned yesterday as well, that you th- we think of you as that disembodied voice up in the air <laughs> somewhere. Um, and you mentioned in this uh, conversation that this was not necessarily something that you had pursued, this job, that it came as out of necessity. I want to know when we come back from break where you actually want to end up. What What is it you want to do and where is it you want to do it? We'll do that coming right up. You're listening to the 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 6:30 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's 2:24 on the 6:30 Chad Afternoon News. Jalen Nye, Andrew Gross, and Adrian South joining us uh, in studio this afternoon. Uh, your your traffic, your your traffic reporter, right here on 6:30 Chad every day. I uh, had a text that came in, Adrian, and said, "Yay, another person from Kitchener." This is Mark. <laughs> Yay, another Kitchenerite comes west. There's four of us now. So there you go. <laughs> so what is it you are hoping to do? Where is your career going from here? Well. 
like I said, I just kind of got thrown into politics. Media has always been my passion, so I did sports for a while. I've been pretty out of the sports loop, um, but my dream job would be like covering the Oilers or a team like that. I love what I'm doing now. Um, <laughs> shout out to my work. It's okay that you're out of the loop with the Oilers. Not much has changed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, something in so sports te- like television, related. possibly sports related or television. I did news over the summer and. What I like about traffic is, despite the collision part of it, it's still kind of happy news as well as sports because you're still helping people get home. You're still doing mm-hmm. something kind of positive. And I, I found That's that true. sometimes the news would, would get to me and I would go home and think about it a lot. So oh, yeah. Traffic is <laughs> not the truth. Uh, yeah. Uh, preaching to the choir, yeah, sister. Yeah, that one. But, you know, it was interesting because when we uh, on our your Facebook page the other day, uh, we became friends on Facebook the other pay, uh, day, and she's like, oh, it was one of those memory pictures that came mm-hmm. up. And she's oh, back in the Bulls days. And I'm looking at this jersey, and I said, is that a Belleville Bulls jersey? <laughs> and you said, yeah, it was. It was a Belleville Bulls jersey. You were the in-house announcer for the Belleville yeah. Bulls of the Ontario uh, junior Hockey League, right? Yeah, that's so crazy that you had lived there. And, and I had lived there, yeah. It was one of the things I was like, do I really want to share this memory? Who shares these <laughs> memories? Like, is this a normal thing to do? Like, I don't do it frequently. And, uh, yeah, I went and did a post-grad in sports journalism at Loyalist College yeah. and uh, hosted the Bulls games while I was there. And then I ended up doing the Kitchener Rangers post-game show for three years and uh, working a bit with the OHL. And I actually saw... I helped out at OHL Cup Showcase Tournament, and I actually got to see Connor McDavid play before he was even drafted to oh, the really? OHL. Yeah. So it was. Well, yeah, I got to tell you, I was kind of stalking you last night in anticipation. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, but I was clicking on some of your YouTube videos. He's upfront about it. Yeah, no, I am. I'm a pretty honest guy. Um, you did a great job. I was I was looking at the YouTube video, and you you look great. Like you, well, it, it was good. You. Yeah, I don't really have much to contribute beyond well, that. And, and in this, I think one of the challenges, oftentimes, that 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 women have in in sports and doing sports is that uh, there are some people that think that there is women doing sports just because they look good on the desk, whereas um, there's a little bit more pressure for them to make sure that you damn know damn well know what you're talking about, right? Even more so because I mean, there's some guys out there that I would question. Aren't a hundred percent sure what they're they're talking really? about. Like, yeah. like who? Never mind. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but and I think that there's just that um, that a little bit more of a an added pressure. Sure. You know, uh, on it, right? Yeah. It is definitely, it was definitely kind of a, a male-dominated mm-hmm. industry, and it was hard to break in break into that. You're saying sports is a male-dominated industry. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Can I sidebar though? Some, something? Can I, can, I just change, can I just change the subject? Sure. Um, I actually host uh, baseball here. I've hosted baseball here for three years at Telus Field. Nice. So that's kind of the only sports tie I still kind of have out here is that I in-game host the prospects games. But huh? Look at you. Who yeah. knew? All the bases covered. Yeah. No kidding. Literally. Well, you- <laughs> You do, you, like I said, I watched your videos last night. You do a great job. Um, uh, you know, hopefully this, uh, maybe this conversation here, you never know. There could be a somebody looking for a sports broadcaster. Hey. Do you have a YouTube channel? Um, it's all off it's your all website. It's off my website. It's off your website. People are asking. They want to see it. There you go. Uh, AdrianSouth.com. Yeah, AdrianSouth.com. There's stuff on there. and. I should have pretended I didn't really know it. <laughs> well, what was it again? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. It, yeah. It's actually bench bookmarked. Yeah, on it's, my, yeah. it's favorited now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's only slightly awkward. Uh, yeah. 
I'll expect more cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that yeah, again, Yeah, thank the way. you guys. So can I just say quickly how, how I ended up in here, that you guys randomly sang me happy birthday. Yeah, I right. brought in cupcakes, and this is how <laughs> I know. it all materialized. And a friendship was born. There you go. Yep. So it, will we be talking to you today, by the way? Uh, yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, thank you for being a part of our team, and thank you for being a big part of our team. I know it's, you know, we didn't know each other until uh, late last week, but uh, you are a part of the 630 Ched team and a very important one, and I know our listeners trust you to get them home in the afternoon, and we appreciate that very much. Well, thanks. It's great to be here and great to work with you guys. This is the 630 Ched Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Ched, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back to the uh, program. Great to have met Adrienne South. I'm looking forward to talking to her this afternoon. She rushed out of here to get to the chopper and get up in the air to bring you home safely. But great to have finally met her. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We are going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, you Can Youth Services is a nonprofit charitable organization dedicated to assisting you so they have the knowledge, support, and skills to remove themselves from harm's way on a daily basis. You Can's outreach staff dealing with youth homelessness, trans transient lifestyle, school issues, lack of employment, court support, gang involvement, mental health, you name it, they're involved with it. And they've got a big fundraiser that helps them do all of those things coming up in a couple of weeks. Joining us now is Kyle Dubé, the Executive Director, You Can Youth Services here in Edmonton, and friend of mine and the show. I've known you forever, Kyle. <laughs> it's hard to believe you're six, this is your sixth uh, fundraiser coming up, but before we talk about that, let's talk about this and the reason you have to raise funds. How big of a problem are you facing, and are you seeing that problem getting smaller or bigger? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. You know, we uh, it's always a big problem in, in most communities where we have, you know, at-risk youth that are, are getting into trouble and, and uh, living in harm's way. And is it getting worse? Um, I don't know if it is yet, but I think that it might just... Let's go back to the economy, mm-hmm. as we were talking earlier, uh, before we went on the air. And, and some of the things that are going to happen with, with people not working and, and uh, losing their jobs and some of these, these families that are going to be affected by this. So we typically deal directly with about 600 young people every year. 600, uh, wow. And the, in the community, within our school projects that we have on it's probably closer to that thousand to fifteen hundred within the schools and uh, we might see an increase in the next couple of years we'll have to see what hmm. is the age range that you're that you're working with we consider youth 12 to 25. Um, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I'm the, thinking 12 to 17, but yeah, 12 to 25. Yeah. And, you, and wow. you know what? There's there's a lot of agencies that would work specifically yeah. with that 12 to 17. We typically work with kind of 17 to 22 is is, is a, a big portion of our work. There's, a, there's not a lot of resources for a young person who are in systems uh, after they turn 18 years old. So quite often, they're the ones that are getting involved in some of this criminality. They're getting involved in some of the things that are that are making them at risk or into those harmful lifestyles so we have put a focus on working with those young people and mm-hmm. a lot of that is pre-employability <clears throat> either trying to get them back into school or trying to help them find jobs and keep a job which again could be mm-hmm. taxing on us in the future as well and where do you find uh, are these referrals from other agencies how do you find these kids or yeah. how do they find you i guess more importantly yeah there's a variety we we get referrals from everything from probation officers to social workers uh the odd parent but a lot of these young people aren't involved with their parents uh different youth serving agencies the police um and quite often the best referrals that we get come from the youth themselves whenever a young person enters into our program and they start to see that this is good and that there's good things happening for them they're 
being supported. They'll tell their friends about it, and those are usually the best referrals. Kyle, I was wondering about that because you you hear about that, and you think of kids that are might be you know living in a in a tough situation right now, and and some might make it through, and others might not. It it's you know you you have success stories, and you have ones that maybe aren't so successful. But those success stories, can you share one with us? You know that's that that's that really hit home to you? Yeah, there's many. We actually have a 78% success wow. rate. And success to us means that they're back in school or they're working full-time for three to six months after they are starting to transition out of our program. Um, there's many success stories, and, and one that comes to mind right away, and, and this will actually talk a little bit about our youth workers as well, is we had a young lad who came out of the uh, the youth justice system uh, in the summer, had spent a little bit of time in uh, EYOC, uh, was really looking for support, and ha- we had actually been in, in working with him prior to him going in. Um, one of the things that he really wanted to do was play hockey. and tough for these young people to get involved in that uh, financially uh, the different supports that, that they need I know I have three hockey players in my house it's a lot of time <laughs> it's a lot of driving it's you know all that type of stuff um, one of our youth workers who's working directly with him really went to the community and, and reached out to people she knows reached out to Sports Central reached out to Edmonton Minor Hockey got this guy registered um, got him onto a team it was late she came to me and said what's the process i said well we're middle of october i don't think this can happen she made it happen because she's relentless and and that's what we call our youth workers <laughs> relentless youth workers so this young guy um really if he has one slip up he's going back and he ended up on this hockey team she goes out because it's tough to get people to drive him and at midget level, you're playing sometimes till 11.30 at night. Wow. She goes to all of his games. She gets to all of his practices. It's been a huge impact on his life to the point where the last time, from what I was told anyways, the uh, last time he saw the judge, he was so impressed that he was involved with this that he actually reduced his probation sentence by really? three months. Because there was he's going to school every day. He's staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And it was all just because somebody was showing up for him. And that is what a lot of these young people lack. They don't have the things that our kids have where we show up and and we do things for them and we care and love about them. This youth worker did that for him and we're seeing good change in him. Wow, you know, I asked earlier, where do you find the kids? But where do you you find your staff? Yeah, we've got an incredible team at UCAN. We've got, uh, there's about 24 people that work at UCAN. Um, I would say... Well, really, everyone's pretty much a youth worker. We've got a few managers, but our staff come from a variety of backgrounds, from educational backgrounds, and they just really buy into our philosophy that we need to be relentless. And it isn't about us. It's about the young people. On the flip side, it's it's got to be 50-50. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's got to be 50-50. Uh, we're willing to bend over backwards for these young people, but they've got to put the effort in themselves. It's their lives at the end of the day. And these youth workers are committed uh quite often they say it's a lifestyle right i mean last week uh one of my managers calls me at 9 30 at night uh, i missed his call i call him back at 10 
uh, he was sitting in a sketchy part of town because one of his youth workers, her youth was was having suicidal thoughts. So she went to deal with them. They were working until 1231 in the morning, just making sure that this hmm. young girl was safe and was okay. You know, I know you've got various specific programs over there, but when you talk about the kid who wants to play hockey or the girl that's thinking about suicide, there's no way you could design the million programs you would need to deal with every unique situation that comes up. So you guys have got to be making decisions and developing ideas on the fly all the time. Yeah, that's that's part of youth work. Um, every day is different. It's kind of like you guys, right? You get yeah. different people in here every day. News is different every day. Uh, youth work is different every day. And every young person has a specific set of needs. And every young person, is. A, we need to really gauge where they're at and decide what we need to do to support them. Uh, it's unique that way, but it also keeps it fresh. And it's, it's sure. you know, I think that our youth workers love their work because of that. Yeah, but doesn't it get you down? At times, I mean, sometimes it's got to be a real kick in the gut, dealing with what you have to deal with, seeing what you're, you know, seeing what these kids are living through and, and how they're trying to, to deal with it all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there there's, there's I, I was talking to a youth worker yesterday, very frustrating day for her with one of her young people. You, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's not about us. And we really just have to, to move forward. We have to, it's, it's all about relationships. Yeah. And it's all about building relationships with these young people. And in any good relationship, you're going to be frustrated. And then you're going to be happy. And then you might have an argument. It's, and it takes time. It takes time. So for us, it's really about the journey and, and, and really trying to be that consistent person for them that shows up all the time. Um, you know, these young people are, are, are awesome. You know, I think that society at times can deem them as as unlovable or they're not worthy, but they are. They're the same as my three sons. They're, they're as worthy as they are to have success and to have good things in their lives. And that's what our organization is there for. The only reason we have jobs is to serve these young people. I'm guessing that uh, becomes a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy, too, that if you're treated without respect, if you're deemed to be uh, not, worthy. not worthy, that you become that. Absolutely. The young people we deal with, for the most part, have been rejected and neglected and abused, and and they start to feel that way. They become very resilient as well, but our job really is around restoration. Yeah. You know, it's around trying to, to bring them in to our <laughs> restoration shop, so to speak, work <laughs> on them, have them work on themselves, and by the time they leave, it might be six months, it might be three years, uh, they're restored and they're able to go and hopefully become a, a tax-paying citizen that can contribute <laughs> to our community. Do you have enough money to do the job that you need to do? We never have enough money uh, to do the job. Now, that being said, you know what, as a charity, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you don't walk around with your hands out and begging people. We, we, we've got pride as well. And um, we could always use more money, though. The work is is always going to be there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um but for us, what it comes down to is different types of revenue sources, right? We we have government money that we get from all three levels. Uh, we have money we get from foundations. We have personal donors. And then we do a big fundraiser every year, which is what we're here to talk about as well. A huge one and a fun one. Did you want to take the break and then come back? Yeah, sure. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, let's take the break. We'll, uh, we'll cheer up and tell you how you can help out you can. News when you need it. Fun when you want it. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad. 
We've been uh, sitting down and talking with Kyle Dubé, the executive director with UCAN uh, Youth Services here in Edmonton. We said when we come back, we'll talk about how you can help UCAN uh, with their annual fundraising event. And I have to tell you, we, uh, Jalen and I asked you about success stories. Uh, we're going to talk about your UCAN uh, comedy night, but part of that night is the audience having the opportunity to listen to one of those success stories. Um, I was involved with your fundraiser, I'm going to say the first or second year, I don't recall. I was so moved by the story that I heard a young lady and, and, and she got up there and you know how hard it is to publicly speak to begin with and man she spoke and people listened and I don't think anyone could have put it better than she did from her own personal experience I'm sure that's going to be a component of this night absolutely it is yeah you know there's there's a recipe to do in these fundraisers <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's pretty typical to go to a fundraiser and and, and have a, a person who have, has been impacted by the agency uh, to get up and speak and, and I do think it's important and you know, I can. I'm, I'm very passionate about the work that we do, and I've been with UCAN for the 13 years it's been in the city. And and, but really, I haven't experienced what these young people have experienced. And I'm an advocate for them, but coming from them and them telling their story is very powerful, mm -hmm. and it's it's one that people will listen. You know, the it's 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 the probably the only time in the night that that room. Yeah, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, for and you know, it's about a seven or eight minute chat that they do. I work with them directly to to kind of help them get prepped because it's it's nerve wracking on them. But the beauty of it is, you know, I, I actually say it at the at the event where you need to understand everybody that we're about to bring a young person up and exploit their story. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're doing this is to pull at your heartstrings so that hopefully you'll donate money. Mm -hmm. And everyone laughs, but then they stop and they go, oh, that's kind of truthful. <laughs> yeah. But the young people know that that's what we're doing because that's the way that I present it to them yeah. so that they're fully aware of what they're getting into, and they, and they want to give back. That's their way of giving back. Exactly, yeah. You know? uh, so let's talk about it then. Well, I was just going to say, just yeah? uh, one of the things that we did do is a couple of the programs that you do have yeah. that have allowed kids like this to get up and, and talk successfully, this Virto Project and the Step Up and Step In Project. Yeah. What are they all about? So the Virto Project is, uh, we've that's actually our longest standing program, and, and that's actually a, a program, it's a pre-employment program. So these are our young people that are coming to us uh, they need to, to be interviewed for the program and it really is trying to set them up so that they can then either go back to school or go and find employment. Um, it's it's dealing with everything from, from you know, some of those barriers in their lives that they're dealing with and how to deal with them. It's dealing with, with uh, you know, looking up jobs and resumes and, and interview techniques. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is we're really trying to help them with their confidence. Uh, it's a, it's a, a about a two-month program. We do some work experience within it. And the whole purpose of it is to get them either back into school or a job. Um, and we've been running that one for about eight or nine years now. Our Step Up, Step In program, <clears throat> there's a variety of things that we do in that program. And actually, we're really moving that program towards uh, in-school youth workers. Mm. There's many schools now that are really interested in having, uh, they're thinking outside the box. And, and there's a lot of things that teachers can't do and don't have the time to do. And so a youth worker can be working with some of their at-risk youth to help keep them in school and to be supporting possibly at home or maybe a young person has to go to court and they're going to go help with that and a young person isn't at school for a few days well let's talk to the UCAN youth worker because they probably know where they are they can mm -hmm. go find them so we're starting to do a lot of that stuff as well our, our, our main three goals are to, to, to keep young people in school 
get them back into school or help them find a job and keep the job. Awesome. So, yeah. Good stuff. None of that uh, is done for free. So the UCAN Services Comedy Night, your sixth annual coming up Saturday, February 27th. I I mentioned that there is the... uh, that eight or nine minutes of a youth speaking to the group but and as you mentioned quite correctly the rest of the evening is just so much fun so you want to tell us about it yeah you know for for a lot of fundraisers that uh that i've been to and a lot of people go to they're great fundraisers mm-hmm. are good um we've decided to do something a little bit different here because i love stand-up comedy i think that's why you and i are buddies andrew um, <laughs> and uh for me i want people to come and have an experience so I want them to come and, and hear what I like to call our propaganda, and they, they, <laughs> they hear about all the things that we do, and, and they get to hear an amazing story from a young person. Then we ask them for money, um, and we, you know, we've got some specific goals on that every year. Uh, we have a live auction, a silent auction. Carrie Dahl is our host, uh, and we have a lot of fun with it, and, and it really is about people enjoying that portion of it as well. But for me, then I want people to just laugh till their face hurts. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we bring in fantastic comedians this year. Well, uh, you know, you've got three good ones. Well, at least two out of three I can vouch for. Emily Burden is your opening act. Emily, of course, was uh, chosen as the funniest new comic at the Edmonton Comedy Festival last year. Uh, you've got Kevin Stobo, a headliner who's toured all around the world. You would have seen him on Just for Laughs uh, and his own television show. He's got a number of television shows he does on the men's network. I don't know what they call it these days. I think they changed the name. <laughs> but he's got a golf show, a movie review show, some other stuff like that. Your headliner this year uh, from 630 Chet, Andrew Gross will be here. Eight Just for Laughs. I actually bugged Kyle. Kyle didn't ask me if I wanted to do it. I bugged him if I That's could do there. it. That is absolutely <laughs> true. And I'll tell you why. I did it years ago. Loved it. Loved it. And now the Edmonton Comedy Festival sponsors the talent at this event mm. every year. So we have some input into who gets hired. And this year when Kyle and I talked, I asked him, how about me? Like, can, you mind if, can I do it? And the reason being that last year was so good and so much fun, and I was going crazy. I was at the event in in my seat saying, "I want to, I want to crack at this crowd." It's yeah. it's a big crowd and a lot of fun people. Well, you know, I'm just going to have to have I'm going to have to dial up my friend Carrie Dahl and make sure that she gets the intro right. Oh, uh, we've taken care of that. Because, <laughs> my goodness. I know. If uh, we don't get the intro right, I had to introduce him at the show in, in Mexico when we were down there. Yeah, look yeah. out. Look uh, out. I think you both have had that conversation with <laughs> yeah, <that's> me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? It's 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 an amazing event. And, yep. and you know what? i got to mention our sponsors, Edmonton Comedy Festival. And, and truth be told, I call Andrew, <laughs> and I, I don't have comedians all the time in mind because he knows them all, and... So it worked out great, yeah. obviously. Okay, good. And, and I mean, Andrew and I are, you know, we're, we're, we're very close. We don't need to get too into it. Um, <laughs> Carol's, Carol's probably listening. Oh, what? And, what? What's going on? And, uh, and, and for us, you know, we have other sponsors as well. We have RP's North. Uh, Todd Grundy over there has just come on board and is rocking our world, to be honest with you, with all the stuff that he's doing to support. We've got Davis Safety. Daryl Davis is an incredible guy that I've known for years. He's on board. Uh, Brad Bloom. You know, yeah. Yeah. Rental. Top tent rental, great guy. He's a great guy. You know, Trevor Chisholm over at Minuteman, uh, West Printing. It's it's just been fantastic to work with these folks. And so it, it, we're excited about it. And, and, you know, right now, a big push that we want to do is we need to sell about six more tables. 
And if we do that, it's a sellout, which we're going to end up with 350 to nice. 400 people in the Perfect room. Perfect size of crowd for comedy, by the way. Great. And, and I love the roar of that laughter yep. whenever it happens. So that's a big thing for us is if we can sell some more tables. So, so all right, so ticket $75, 750 If you want to buy the whole table of 10, uh, you can find out how to buy tickets or you can go ahead and buy the tickets at youcan.ca slash Edmonton. You'll see a banner come up right away as soon as you go to their homepage. Click on that, buy your tickets, help out some youth, have a laugh. And by the way, you're no slouch yourself when it comes to getting the laughs. I really enjoy your <laughs> presentation with Carrie Dahl that you do every year. Good luck with it. Thanks so much for taking the time to come in and talk to us about it. Thanks for having me, folks. Much appreciated.